0: Let's get the let's get the question right out of the way from the start Clay. This episode is mm-hmm. extremely similar to Aliens, the James Cameron directed action movie just because people are stuck in goo and stuck on walls. Is this episode better or worse than Aliens the movie? Um, you know, <laughs> I think it's I think they take a much
1: more measured approach to the alien. So I think it's a difference of opinion where, you know, you could go in guns blazing or you can sit around and watch people literally translate a language from scratch for 40 minutes.
0: (laughs) We're going to be talking about Vox Sola, which is... um I don't know. I have, a, I, have a, I have a lot of thoughts. I think at this point I'm sinking into like an enterprise state of mind, I suppose, where I, I can really get into the minutia of which episodes are working and which ones aren't, which isn't to spoil anything about this one. But I think that this one's a combination of a whole bunch of stuff that works mm-hmm. and doesn't work. So with that incredibly bland generalization, we're going to take a break. <laughs> we're going to play a clip from the episode and then we'll come back and we'll break down Wes, the box.
1: we have incredibly high standards, but we only <laughs> are hard on you. because we know that you can meet them.
0: Well, that's the... I need that cold analytical approach to really motivate me to move forward here. So let's get into Hoshi repeating her storyline for the 17th time this season, and let's break down Voxola right after this.
1: This thing appears to be growing. There's no telling if it'll get out of the cargo bay. I recommend we evacuate the entire deck. How did it get on board? The last time we opened the airlock, we were docked with the Cretasans. You think they left us a little souvenir?
0: Our encounter didn't go well, but I doubt we gave them reason to attack us. We're not even certain that the organism's hostile.
1: You didn't see that thing go after the captain. It seemed hostile enough to me. The Cretassans might know something about this thing. I can start scanning for their ship, try to pick up their warp trail.
0: Alright, so Vox Sola is a good title. It's the 22nd episode of the first season of Star Trek Enterprise, aired on May 1st, 2002. Teleplay goes to Fred Decker. Story credit goes to Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Fred Decker. Directed by Roxanne Dawson, Bolana from uh, Voyager. In-universe date is 2151, maybe 2152. This might have crossed the new year. In this episode, a symbiotic alien comes aboard the Enterprise and captures several of the Starship's officers in its web. Hoshi struggles to communicate with the alien invader in an attempt to save the trapped officers. What I Mm. like about this episode, Clay, and that I wish uh, the show had done more of, and I wish all Star Trek shows kind of captured this and understood that why this was an effective thing. I think it's early for good character characterization and settling what the characters are about to have episodes that work the group through a problem. And I think that this Mm -hmm. episode for all of its other problems is pretty good at that. It's probably the most ensemble of all the episodes of the first season, I think, because everyone has something to do. You could argue a lot of the stuff that people have to do is kind of stupid and pointless, but they're still doing something throughout the mm-hmm. episode. So I do like this one just for that. It felt different from the other episodes. And um uh Roxanne Dawson is actually a very good Star Trek director. Uh she's probably yeah in the Avery Brooks thing where I think she might be a better director than a actor. Is she this. the uh Klingon yeah, on Voyager? Half, half Klingon, yeah. 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 Um she's really good. I I noticed the direction in this one. It's really good and it looks very cinematic and stuff like that, but yeah, what'd you think about Vox Sola? You know, I was um,
1: I was looking it up on on IMDB because I wanted to check the cast because uh the, the woman who plays Crewman Kelly is actually uh, Angelica Schuyler from Hamilton, which I watched over the weekend like the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that it only has like a six point eight or six point nine which is generally the mark of a bad episode, and for a show like this, where a lot of them on the, uh, seem to be like sevens and stuff, yeah. it's usually the mark of a a, a a really not good episode. I really liked this episode for the most part. I think it's a, I've, like you said, I think it's a, a mix of a lot of the stuff they do really well and a lot of and some stuff that they don't do so well. But um, as far as Using all your characters and actually putting them in scenes where you have differences of opinions clashing with each other in order to solve a problem, this is like the most successful episode they've done the entire season. I'd agree. Like yep. the scene, the scene with uh, uh, Reed and Flocks is felt like an actual scene because you've got two people of differing viewpoints about what to do about this, you know, weird
0: jizz dildo monster. Yeah, there. <laughs> Tort- torture the monster or don't torture yeah. the monster, and
1: they actually had a conversation. That was uh, not completely arbitrary about uh, um, how to approach this issue from two different sides of the spectrum, and I thought that stuff was great. I thought the uh, the monster was uh, considerably creepy. I don't know if it needed the the stuff with the I don't remember the name of the aliens who think eating is the same as as mating. The
0: uh, cretassins, cretassins, something like that. um
1: that stuff was whatever but um i did and i i i liked that it was a story about uh even though like you said they've done it a bunch of times already but hoshi failing and then ultimately being the person who manages to come through in the end in instead of blasting this thing away she actually uh learns how to communicate with it They, they come to a real star trek solution to it i thought it was really good i thought it was great Um, force field porn
0: a lot of good force field use (laughs) inventing the force field here yeah
1: you know it's one of those stupid things where like it wasn't the force field that I, i was thinking about it was for some reason i think it was maybe it was either before just before the force field or just after i don't remember why this popped into my head but i was thinking you know i think an inherent problem with this show is what they're trying to do is why why would they not have phasers equipped on ships But they would have handheld phasers because you would think that the the way that technology works is they make a big one first, right, and then they miniaturize it into a handheld version. So technically, you'd think that all the ships would already have. And then my eyes went cross-eyed, and (laughs) then I just remembered that I'm watching an episode that doesn't matter.
0: They only have 14 or something. They have a limited number of phasers that they can use, so they're kind of a rare, rare uh, device. I um. I think that this, I think this episode actually starts stronger than it ends, but I think it's because I think there's a, what's really kind of interesting about it is that I think that it has a lot of good storylines in it, but none of them really have a good resolution to anything that they do. So it's, it's... it's, it's almost like it's overstuffed with stuff, but that's because they need all of the characters to do things. However, I don't think that any of the resolutions are satisfying. Like, I don't think that the way that Hoshi solves her language thing is good because it's just her typing into a computer as she figures it out. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the, the read and flux thing because it's a good scene, but it ultimately is like, I, I, it makes sense within the story, but it doesn't feel like the episode is really built around any kind of conflict around this. Right. It's just a minor sure. thing that happens on their way. Uh, Mayweather solving the problem and apologizing to those aliens feels like a big letdown. That's very that, strange. I don't know. That came out of absolutely no way. <laughs> He's the only character left who had who didn't have anything to do, so he had to be the one that yeah, apologized. I don't. I
1: I didn't even remember if they asked him to do that or if he, on his own he was like, maybe we should call those guys up and <laughs> ask them if they know anything about this weird monster that came off of their ship.
0: Those aliens. Those aliens are like ah. disgusting you you eat like you make love and and Mayworth is like well how do you guys eat I was like please don't describe how you (laughs) I don't don't want to know what you guys do to eat apparently they they only eat in private or something like that but Mm. I was I was expecting a much more grotesque and graphic description of how they actually ingest uh, food also also uh, thankfully they learned English in while they were off
1: screen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Otherwise what was he gonna do if he calls them up and then they just start screaming at him in and
0: uh, uh,
1: creatinian or whatever it is
0: yeah no that's so that that's kind of my problem with the whole thing is that I, I really like the setup and I like the whole structure of it and I like the concept and I like all the plots that are in it but at the at the end you're really just like ooh like the plots all ended up at like a six out of ten zone when I thought they were gonna sure. be a little bit stronger than that so I think it and because they all do that I think that they all, it, it feels like a bigger letdown by the end of it than it actually is, just because not a single plot really sticks for me. Yeah. I think, I think
1: actually where the, the story is hurt, hampered is actually in the middle because they get to a certain point where they've established what's going on, they've established the kind of groupings that they're dealing with as far as who are approaching it from what angles, but they never really move those anywhere. It, so you know what i mean there's no there's no uh, uh drama uh uptick, so you get to the middle of the story yeah. and you've already done your scene where Tapal and hoshi are are uh trying to decipher this language and they have their talk or whatever about math and some shit um and then the next time you come back to them, they just have the same conversation they don't th- it's just more of the same, and that kind of happens
0: all around same, like with, you get, same with Archer and trip where they exactly yeah. they get linked together but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. There there's no there's yeah. no development. It's because I think the problem there is because there's so many stories they didn't settle on one was going to be the story that everything mm-hmm. that the episode focuses around. So you you just have this um you just have this thing where all the stories kind of feel like B plots where there doesn't really yeah. need to be a central conflict there and it it really weakens a lot of them and I think that's the yeah. the problem, yeah.
1: Like imagine if imagine if instead of just talking about how they all have the same
0: college water polo memories. Now they, <laughs> but, you, but but <laughs> they're watching water polo from like 1987. It's such a weird yeah. game that they're, it's not like it's modern water polo. It, it was filmed on like NTSC. You know, four by three television I, sets. You know, I was th- I was thinking that too, but I was
1: like, well, they just got it downloaded by Subspace Communications. Maybe it looks like <laughs> right. news footage from nineteen ninety two.
0: I don't it's, know. It's uh, going to your I, neighbors' house to, and to unscramble pass. their porn channel or something. And yeah, just like I think I, I think I see something there.
1: I'm willing to give that a pass that it's not pristine four K <laughs> HD. You know, um, but like you know, they set up they set up Archer. In a way that doesn't pay off in this episode either. Yeah. I think he's the biggest uh, uh, element that they forgot about because they set him up as being in this particular mood. Is he depressed
0: and, because of how the meeting with the cretaceans? I guess went?
1: that's that's what I guess. Okay. But
0: even there, I was like, why the fuck is
1: he so? Why? Yeah. Why is, yeah. Why is this such a big deal? I mean, I guess because it's a failed first contact, but they never really talk about it. And uh, you know, if you if you positioned uh, trip and Archer together where Trip is trying to understand... One of them is trying to understand the other and it's not really working. And then you get to the situation later where they're hooked up by their minds and then they come to an understanding, oh, because now I can see what you're thinking and why this was such a big deal. Then that stuff feels like it actually has some narrative weight to it instead of just being these guys are wrapped up. Like, what's... uh, Crewman Kelly is literally unconscious for the entire episode. Yeah. Like, there's no... There's not, not really anything happening in those scenes that really are moving the story along. And I think uh, other than the fact that I guess it's implying that this creature has some sort of like I don't know cross it could is part of a larger neural network or something, yeah. I'm not even sure what the point of adding that stuff in is. But, um, but yeah, I think it all, it all falls into this this middle of the episode uh, trap. Where they just don't have they they have their setup and they have their ending, but the middle part just doesn't have anything to really keep keep the story chugging uh, chugging along.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, because I would have I would have liked the ending a little bit more if the resolution to get there was more impactful. Which is a problem with the middle. It's just that you, you don't really mm-hmm. spend a lot of time doing anything with any of the characters. Um, yeah, it's it's. It's funny because it does feel like it's going to be an Archer episode with all that setup mm. of him and Trip hanging out and having a, having a good old time. But it would be better served if you're saying that that is almost like the... You you started with kind of like a, a rift or something between the two. Like the two good friends who have been on this mission for six months now are, finally, are starting to like wear on each other a little bit or something yeah. like that. And then at the end, the thing is that because of the link... Tripp realizes what's important to Archer and he downloads this VHS water polo match from 1976 and and he shows it to him, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, I, I think the fact that they didn't lean into that. And even though it is more of a Hoshi story, she really is also given about equal time as everybody else, so you don't even really feel like it's a Hoshi story. I don't think it and is. I think
0: it's funny that they focus on it in the uh, the blurb that I read at the top because I wouldn't I wouldn't say well, this is a Hoshi story really.
1: I think traditionally it, it is because it it opens with her failing at her th- at her at her job. And feeling despondent about it, and then the the ship gets into a situation where the only way for them to get out is for her to do her job correctly, yeah, and and uh, be the one who saves the day. But she is given—they
0: all have her plot line, yeah.
1: Her her plot line is given equal time, essentially, with everything else. So it doesn't—it never feels really like all of the onus is on her, yeah. And you don't—they don't spend the time with her to get more character stuff out of her, other than. A couple scenes with Tepaul, which were which were pretty good, but at the same, it's they were pretty good, but they did feel a little bit forced to me because I have never really gotten the feeling that Tepaul is exceptionally hard on Hoshi or doesn't, you know what I mean? Like it it just seems like Hoshi over overreacting. Yes, overreacting based on the that the plot needs her to. Because even like in the episode, Tepaul is just kind of like I. I don't know. I don't know why you're so mad. I'm just This is my you to favorite
0: to performance because yeah, here in this one yeah. she felt most like a Vulcan who has is not intending offense or is not intending to be right. sort of cruel to someone. She's just like you know, he's just like, well, maybe you hopefully you do better next time and she's like, "Well, what the fuck does that mean?" And she's like, "Well, I hope for your personal development. You actually do better next time." And right. it's, it's right. that kind of a thing. It's like it's not a it's not the cattiness that T'Pol had earlier, or Earlier, which I think is kind of a, it's an issue for me more than it was for you. But here, I I much prefer, if you were to reestablish this from the start, that Hoshi is overreactive to Tapal in a way. Like you, you ever had those, you know those people who are in relationships where, uh, not in a relationship, but just like two people who know each other. Sometimes a relationship goes in a way where, the, a perceived slight is never like reconciled. So every sure. time those people interact in the future, there's this little bit of tension because they, they, someone thinks that their uh, subtext is, is like they're, they're reading into something that isn't actually there, and it sort of builds up this thing. I would have liked that for Hoshi. It's like why it's like why your kids will never look you in the eye. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's why that's and if you were to recalibrate this a little bit to have those characters, the human characters, be a little bit more you know quote-unquote troubled in this series i think hoshi being insecure and overly sensitive to that stuff kind of works as a character for her and to is the perfect person to set that off against her because to emotional cruelty you know quote-unquote again is something that would annoy hoshi and i i like it here i just feel that again it's another thing of um Mayweather's the boomer, and Hoshi is just insecure about her job. It just, I just feel mm-hmm. like they, they, could, they could do something else with these characters at this point. I get those tropes. I get those beats. Yeah, yeah
1: I would agree. And I and I, I, think it's, I think not really choosing to, to go one way or the other is ultimately what ends up hurting it the most. Because like, do, do we really need to see Reed div- f- f- uh, triangulating or, or tuning the, the force field? Yeah. No,
0: no. You know, it, it, I, there's, I was so stupid. I didn't even realize what they were like the force. the force field is funny. Cause the, what they do is so simple. It's just to stop the tentacles from getting them that mm. I was, I was like, why do they need the force fields? Like I, I, I was thinking that right, there was some sort yeah. of galaxy brain thing going on that was like, well, what, what are they going to do? Like beam the thing out of there with the, the force field or something. But no, it's just so that the tentacles can't touch them.
1: Yeah. I, that was a little, that was a little strange. It, Cause I was thinking the same things like, what the fuck are they going to use this thing for? The, Um, I also want to know what was on the other side of that thing that, the that the crewman there just blasted with the first time he (laughs) tested it with the phaser and just shot right through it. Hopefully there wasn't a guy on the other side of there.
0: Um,
1: but yeah, like, I think there's some probably wasted time doing some of that stuff where it's like, well, if you picked more forcefully what you're, what, what you're trying to do with your characters, it, it would, it might not feel like you're just sort of running in place here watching. What literally watching people build a force field, or literally watching people uh, type the language, decipher in. A, yeah, type a language, or do algebra or whatever they're doing. Like, <laughs> as much as I love, as much as I love them finding other ways to solve these problems other than shooting them or you know blowing them up or whatever. When when Hoshi's like, eh, I don't know, I think I just need to do some math in real time while we're <laughs> watching this episode, and I was like, oh you're le- you're going from deciphering a language and adding in we need someone who understands higher math so we can start talking about numbers and i was like, i was just i was just dreading that they were going to start doing the the modern thing where they're like oh so this frequency comes in at 6.7 if we multiply that by 14 and the root of 76 and i was just like oh please don't start doing that thankfully they didn't and yeah. they did the old style thing where they just used it as an excuse to have a character conversation
0: yes yeah. Do you um I was kind of wondering, well, I, I really like the structure of this And if you're st-
1: wondering, that math does check out.
0: Checks out. Do the uh what is that math website? Uh never mind, I'm not gonna be able to remember. Op- something <laughs> Optimus Prime or something. Um I like the structure of this one in that the all of the crew members or the cast members get something to do in it, which I think is the strongest point of it, as I said from the start. Um I I feel that maybe it was kind of a mistake to give everyone a a story. Like, if you want to consider this mm. a story, I, I liked them all interacting about the problem, and I, I agree that you need something there to cause them to have a little bit of conflict with each other, like the flocks and the Reed thing. However, I was wondering if it was just too much story overload, where yeah. instead of just having them kind of focus and interact based around this one problem that they're having and have Hoshi's story be the main thing where she gains their confidence and solves the problem or whatever if you went the other way with it and just um had them sort of be subjugated to that story but at the same time that probably in my opinion probably wouldn't give you the strong like ensemble feeling that it gives here so i was i was kind of torn about it because uh, the fact that it creates such an ensemble feeling is a positive but at the same time i don't feel like everyone needed a story here like this level of story which is not going to be resolved I, i don't i don't really know if you can reconcile those two things though
1: yeah, I think I like I think the stuff with flocks and reed still works if you only relegate it to a single scene yeah. or maybe a shorter second scene or something. Like I it's I I think the the setup for that stuff is strong enough in the context of what it, everything else that's going on that you can just have those short scenes to get across that those uh, uh point of view differences. Um and not have to spend too much time on it because it's just sort of like an in, in that that way it's just sort of an element uh, bolstering everything else that's happening instead of like an equal time uh, story that they're doing is because uh, it's not even like it's not like Reed comes to any change of heart or anything at the end of that you know it's yeah. like it's I guess. Technically, creating a force field instead of actively destroying something is a change of heart for him. <laughs> well, but like it, they don't—they don't focus on that stuff with either of them, Flocks or Reed, enough for it to be like, oh, this was worth spending an equal quarter of time on.
0: Uh, would you agree or disagree that Reed is the worst character on this show to this um, point?
1: I think he is. I don't know if I would say the worst. Uh, in my opinion,
0: it's either my argument would be it's either Mayweather or him, right? So it's those two. I would, yeah. But Mayweather I would say
1: worst, as in most un- untapped potential, I guess. Mayweather, they don't know what the hell they're doing with him at
0: all. He's I would, just yeah. He's just there. He that, that's the thing. Mayweather is just kind of there, but I feel mm-hmm. like I'm not. I feel like they're not making missteps with Mayweather. It's just that he doesn't do anything, really. with Yeah, with Reed, you can't make a misstep if you don't take a right, step. Right, exactly. He's, <laughs> he's, he's making 100% of the shots he never took or whatever. Huh? Exactly, so, yes, yes. Um, Reed is different. Reed, I think that Reed is like kind of fundamentally unclear as a character as to what he's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. the actor who plays him, Dominic, whatever his name is, um, I think he when he's asked to play security chief, like when, he, when he's clearly the security chief, it comes across almost like a um, naked gun parody or something. Like he runs into the room with like his face <laughs> up and he's kind of spinning around and being very dramatic about it. And um, I don't think he's the right actor for it. Or if he's mm. the right actor for the role, I think they need to rewrite the role a little bit because I, don't, I think they need to go harder on the he doesn't give a fuck about life, he's just there to protect the ship kind of thing. And they touch on it a little bit, but he's still uh, too—he's not gruff enough for it, really. Like his characterization is kind of the the rich English naval officer's son. Kind of flies in the face with what I think they want him to be as a character.
1: Yeah, I'm still disappointed that they didn't go more like Johnny Rico from uh, Starship Troopers with him. Yeah, Uh, is it Johnny Rico? It's Rico. Rico. Rico's first name. Yeah, you know, like to have someone in a star trek show who is in charge of the uh security and weapons who is a more militaristic character it would just be such a great addition especially when you're trying to hack out this new new quote unquote new world of and establish this new star trek way of doing things it really shocks me that they don't have a character who's more steeped in what what they're pushing back against yeah and uh yeah and because i mean as it stands he's honestly if you if i watched three episodes of this show randomly not including the pilot if i hadn't watched a pilot and just picked three episodes I, I don't think i could tell you what he does
0: right that is the security or, chief you mean yeah, yeah i
1: i assumed he was a science officer yeah. or something or an engineer you know, he, he seems
0: very engineery
1: because he builds sure, a lot of stuff yeah yeah yeah, he seems a lot more like an engineer. To be fair, I, I don't even know if I don't know if I could tell you what Trip does either, but <laughs> He he at least has scenes in the engine room. Right, where but, he's touching uh, he's touching the engine yeah.
0: occasionally, so you know that he's the engineer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, I was thinking that about their ranks. I'm very unclear as to what the ranks mm. are in this, although a little bit of trivia. No, oh, I have no idea. Yeah. This, this is the first, apparently, in-episode confirmation that T'Pol is the second officer of this ship, which I think you can mm. assume safely, but this is the first time it's ever been confirmed that that's, that's the case.
1: That's actually really interesting. I, I feel like we may have said this previously on a, on a different show, but this is the first Star Trek show I can think of where I couldn't tell you what the ranks are of the principal characters. Yeah.
0: Cause I have to I mean, think you know, you about think, it. It's not part of their name for me. I have to be like, he's an ensign, he's a yeah. commander. Yeah. Like if you think of TNG,
1: you, it's all kind of baked into the yeah. characters. It's their name, so part got, of their uh, name. Lieutenant Worf, Lieutenant Commander yeah. Data. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when this one, it's just sort of like they're just kind of there, and they don't even they don't say them very often. At least at least in the in TNG, Picard would address people by their rank right. fairly often. Well, yeah, Archer's
0: <laughs> so. a little bit too friendly for that. Yeah, and so it yeah. doesn't. It also, we've complained about that, not complained, but we've mentioned that in Discovery, too, where the um, I kind of miss the order, uh, the chain of command structure to how they mm-hmm. interact with each other, because here it feels like anybody can talk to anybody at any time about anything. And TNG, Mayweather as an ensign, there would be kind of a flow of like, conversation there where they would tell the thing to Riker and Riker tells Picard. And you could say that maybe Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a clunky narrative thing, but it does imbue this sense of like, there's a kind of military tradition going on here. It's not just Mayweather. can't just call Archer Jonathan and like high five him after they do something, you know, there's a little bit of like a a respectful thing, but Archer isn't really that captain either. So I, I think it works in this series. Um maybe more than it does some of the others because of the timing of it. But it is something that I, I miss in some ways.
1: Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a negative Um because, I mean, that that shit doesn't... Uh, the ranks and stuff doesn't matter. Narrative doesn't matter. If narrative, your characters, right? doesn't are, matter. Yeah. yeah, narrative doesn't matter. And if your characters are strong enough, you, who cares what their ranks are? It doesn't really matter. But yep. yeah, because like you say, it's not... That sort of chain of command is not baked into this show, so it doesn't surprise me that they're not really leaning into it that much. Um, but yeah, I do, I do feel like Mayweather and Reed are definitely at the bottom of the list. Yeah. Um, and the only thing saving Mayweather is because they have had him do things that show you some semblance of what he's about, uh, pineapple aside.
0: That's, re- that's, um, that's Reed. Are you talking about Reed or Mayweather? I'm talking about Reed, sorry. Okay,
1: yeah. Uh, R- yeah, Reed is only saved by the fact that they have done some stuff with him and put him in some situations to give you an idea. But even there, it's like it's not consistent enough or strong enough to really make an impression. Yeah. Yep. Um. And
0: Mayweather, man, ah, uh, they should have made him the time cop.
1: It would have been so good. <laughs>
0: It's I don't I've mentioned it before. I don't think he's a bad actor. I'm just surprised that they can pivot the character to do something. He seems fine. Um,
1: I kind of I was kind of I was kind of hoping. Do you remember that commercial for uh, online poker? I think it was or maybe it it wasn't a commercial for online poker, but the commercial was a guy sitting in his basement alone in the dark playing online poker and then he wins and he goes, I won. I, I, I'm a winner, and he and he like celebrates, and he looks around, and there's nobody there to celebrate right. because he's just by himself playing poker in his basement. I was kind of hoping for something like that in the scene where Mayweather talks to the uh,
0: <laughs> God. what's all Cret- they Cretacins. Cretacins?
1: Yeah. Where afterwards he's like, he kind of like looks around, and he's like, "Holy shit! Nobody, <laughs> nobody saw me do that."
0: <laughs> he just he shuts off the the uh, view screen. Stands up and just kind of like gingerly sits down in the captain's chair, and it's just like feels a lot better yeah. now. Yeah, like
1: he shuts it down, and then he like kind of does like a stretch <laughs> thing, like, and then he's like, "Computer,
0: I want that footage. Computer, <laughs> save that personal log." Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think send that's that brief. send that footage back to my mom. <laughs> Can't find her. She's out on the uh, the freighter, whatever. Um, yeah. Outside of this, I. I like, the, I like the alien setup. It doesn't really do anything with it. Like, all of the, all of the problems, it's kind of interesting. Like, all the plot threads and all the stuff are all kind of the same problem for me in this episode, which is, mm-hmm. again, I like this episode as well. I think this is probably my third favorite of the season so far after yeah. Unexpected and Dear Doctor. Um, it felt it felt different in a kind of a novel, exciting way, like an interesting way that they were going to do something with it. And I wish that maybe the alien had tied into it a little bit more. I wish that the Mm -hmm. Kretassins hadn't been such a strange interaction. Although, you know, back on the second and third episode of this season, would we have liked the Kretassin interaction more? We would have been like, what a novel Mm. Star Trek thing, to have them just like make a mistake about how well this, how, how this guy eats and whether or not you should eat in front of an alien species.
1: You know, I I don't know.
0: Um cuz like I don't I don't dislike it
1: in concept, I guess. Uh I it just didn't really mean anything ultimately. Yeah. Um cuz I mean, you could do that. If you if you do that and then that that mix-up becomes and the the consequences of that mix-up become the narrative thread that you're following into this other story with the monster it's fine but they don't really do that
0: yeah because thematically Um, it works about misunderstandings right so mm -hmm. if the if the alien is the thing that allows people to truly understand each other because of this neural link that's the theme i think that works there but Mm -hmm. that the alien does that but it doesn't have any bearing on the actual plot it's just kind of a weird side effect that they have from it and right you know if the it's another, like, what if a Cretacin had been sucked up by this alien, right? And then Archer right. was like, oh, they, we ate in front of them. That's why you were so upset. And it's like, oh, it's just the alien is a metaphor for like getting past your differences and stuff like that. But yeah. the, I don't think it's really <laughs> strong to that point.
1: That That is a much better um, solution than having Mayweather call them three quarters of the way right. through the episode <laughs> and just ask them what to do. <laughs> Like uh, the, if if you set up this these this group of people as not understanding, there being a, a communication breakdown, and then when you call them back, they're like, "No, it's fine. We figured out how to speak your language in twenty five minutes." Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you're undercutting yourself a little bit there. Is that, um, is
0: that real apology fetish too? People who like really want an apology. Like what's what's going yeah, on in their minds more. about that?
1: I mean, also, you could have. Let's say you have. Let's say you have uh, uh,
0: Cretacin? Cretacins, I think, yeah. Cretacins. I don't
1: know why I'm having such a hard time with this one. Let's say you have a Cretacin guy get sucked up by the monster with Archer, right? So you're doing what you're saying. And now you've got this external pressure of the Kretassins and the Enterprise not being able to talk to each other. Right. And the Cretassens thinking that the, their captain or whoever never made it back to the ship, so now there's some sort of uh, pressure over not being able to communicate with each other, and so Hoshi's job just got harder. Yeah. She now has to figure out how to, A, talk to the Cretassens and also, B, talk to this alien before some, the, the Enterprise gets blown up or something. Um, and... I, I That's probably more – I mean adding that in – probably wouldn't help because there's already too much going on yeah you'd have to cut uh, the, you'd,
0: you'd cut the other character yeah. storylines at that point there's too much going on but there's oddly not enough going on yeah. if that makes sense but because I, there's there's
1: too many threads but not enough is happening
0: it's what i was saying like if you cut the other characters to fit that in i think the episode actually becomes more of the boring enterprise episodes that we've had to this point like i i, sure. I, I really like the fact that the up the, the scenes didn't focus on a character for longer than a couple of minutes and if you make it just about archer being stuck with the thing i mean i think that the other thing that we're running into now is that because this is Enterprise and it's the fifth Star Trek series, I hear that idea and I go, oh, yeah, it's kind of like Darmok, except they're stuck in a spider web. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, yeah. and so it, it, it's you're, I, but I think that, that you can fix it from being Darmok because the thematic nature of the alien at that point is not something the alien has a bigger play in that story than the darmok story which is really just two characters who can't speak the same diff- the same language talking to each other um, right yeah because i mean because that
1: i, I think it, yeah it depends where you put your focus because yeah. darmok is specifically about those two characters not being able to understand each other but in this one if you do put your focus on hoshi right then it becomes a story about hoshi trying to figure out the solution to this problem um, which is a, a, a more of a novel spin to it.
0: Yeah, the work that needs to be put in to get to right. a mutual understanding. All right, let's take a break there. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about Vox Sola. Apologize.
1: Excuse me? We will send you the coordinates, but first, you must apologize to us for your offense. That's
0: the thing. We don't know what we did to offend you. On your ship, you put food
1: in your mouths.
0: You mean eat? Yes, eat. I don't understand.
1: It is like
0: mating. It is very offensive to us. We were just eating. How do you eat? We eat the
1: same way, but not in the presence of others.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash the Penske file. You go there and a couple of dollars a month gets you extra stuff. You get extra podcasts. You get some movie reviews. You get uh, commentary videos. I did one for Sarek. So you basically get to download the episode of Star Trek with me talking over it, just like those behind the scenes, not the behind the scenes, those uh, Blu-ray extras for director commentaries. It's the same idea.
1: Do you do like your own voices? So when Sarek talks, you have him go like, son, I love you. I wish we didn't have to fight each other anymore.
0: <laughs> I just do the worst uh, director commentary. It was like, hey, guys, I, uh, I turned my Netflix on. I pressed play. And this yeah. is the scene that's happening <laughs> because of that. Uh, apparently, this was halfway through the last time I watched it. So we're 27 minutes in right now. And we're just mm-hmm. going to keep watching.
1: As you can see, uh, Sarek has entered from screen left. <laughs> <laughs> funny story uh, that's the right side of the stage if you're <laughs> if you're not in the theater
0: all right captain's here supporters get a special thank you as well At this point special thank you goes to original patient zero patron zero christian pouch tark latif ct mike burnett cardinal doomsday joint mango ben douglas neil brennan kyle barrett matt samuel custer matt ross nathan elliott eric johnson andrew sherlock grin santo matt cutler tom hiles dwayne hackett sean jordan cooper russell Elledge, Kevin Reyes. Vault 13 Heroes, Stephen Minton, David Beardmore, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Courier 6, Jacob123, Matt Houston, Mike Harris, Nick Sergi, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Erics Antoine, Bradley Killens, Corey Martin, Woodrow, and Rune Vendler. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Thank you very much for listening. Very kind, guys. Thank you.
1: We're getting close to having to do that thing like where they play. Uh, they just roll the credits super fast at the end of the show to make sure they get everybody.
0: Yes. right When, you, when you're when you on a network TV and you got a show coming up that you have to get there in 17 seconds, but you've got yeah, 12 when, hours when, of credits.
1: When you just finished when you just finished uh, uh, The Mummy Returns and you have to go right into Shanghai Noon, yes. you can't play the credits, so you just got to speed through <laughs> them really
0: fast. Or it's just the second uh, showing of Shawshank. you, you finish finished Shawshank. Yes. Let's watch yes. Shawshank yeah. again. All right. Let's go through patron comments. If you're a patron... That's $5 and up level. You get to uh, leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We're on a little bit of a time crunch here, Chloe, so I'll try to get through these. Matt Ross says, Voxola, finally getting back to a sci-fi story, a Latin name too. It's more than you would expect for an alien encounter with a disturbing aliens movie vibe. Even the language errors were interesting and Hoshi's trying to figure out what the heck went wrong but not chafing at Paul on her lack of confidence moments. The insult makes the Cretassins different, although human-looking. Mayweather's apology delivery is very stiff. It's cool you get to see other crew members in their realization that something isn't right. The alien spider web monster is an interesting and different idea and the shared consciousness is a nice twist. Water polo, not so much. Reed's idea for a force field is another fan service checklist item, yet believable. Flox's objection is not. Their ship is at risk to the point where they all could have been taken over. So I say, shut up, doctor. You're not a line officer. The solution is not shooting or fire, but the politely figuring out the alien needed a taxi ride home. So you have to wonder if this was all a ruse for when the blobs try to take over the galaxy. More fun than the last several, so three tendrils out of five. Latte Librarian says, Hoshi finally gets to do something interesting while she and Tapal bond over math language. They missed an opportunity to explore a theme with the alien creature, like a found family trope or how to hold on to individuality in the face of a dominant culture. Having Hoshi and Tapal be caught in figuring out the language and the respect they have for each other while being held by the alien would have been interesting too. There just wasn't enough tension in the episode. It needed something to spice it up. Three globs of alien goop out of five. Stefan Minton says, A truly bizarre alien with a language based on higher mathematics and musical distortions, To Paul in command and Hoshi faced with a challenge that will determine the fates of her crewmates, a crew that must remember that its mission is to seek out new life and not destroy it at the first sign of trouble. This episode has a lot going for it, and yet it still feels very average. The ingredients are there, but it does not come together to form anything special. I don't terribly mind that, though. It's a competently made hour of television. Nothing more, nothing less. Three life forms soon to become one out of five. Next one is Kyle Barrett says a cross between a monster movie and those emails I keep getting for supplements that make you produce more cum. I assume Malcolm is so pissed off during this episode because he wanted to be captured by the <laughs> pellucid creature. But Kyle's gonna be uh, Kyle's using thesaurus.com on me at this point. Pellucid creature and accidentally gets some in his mouth, yet keep being denied. The episode begins well Kyle, with Kyle some-
1: Kyle's using thesaurus.com, dot com, but I, I feel like he's he's got he's multiple going to tabs. He's got some other websites he's going to as well. Uh, Based on the theme that's running through his
0: comments lately. If you're looking for the uh, the right supplement to help you, Kyle, I've got a guy. I'll give you his number. Uh, the episode begins well with some fun day in the life scenes, but it soon heads downhill. Are they really still filming water polo in four three four eighty next century? Despite Roxanne Dawson's competent direction and the noticeably decent music, the episode looks too silly to take seriously. There's no payoff to Archer and Trip being able to read each other's minds, and the message of the piece is basic as they come. However, there are some welcome tensions between crew members, particularly Phlox and Reed, even though, even though it once again highlights Kading's miscasting. Oh, and the alien screeching at the end made my dog go crazy. I don't think I can give this any more than one Bukakied crew member out of five. Or two, I'm wow. sorry, two Bukakied crew members out of five. Wow. Harsh. Harsh on Vox Sola. Widger Wilson. Widger Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I was just listening to a podcast. About Hold on, Woodrow. everybody shut up. The president has, He's a like, outside the of the black people in this thoughts. episode. This is a great episode of television. Thank you, Woodrow. Uh just Woodrow says. Wages of Fear, a film about exiles from occupied Europe who find purpose in salvation by risking it. Maybe this is Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> a great parable for space exploration. This episode defines the mission very well. Force alone does not work. It has to be tied up with ethics, conflict resolution, and the ultimate goal of understanding. I also love the flourishes of purple on the Cretacin's makeup. Most Trek aliens have bland tones, whereas in nature, a single vibrant stripe, fluorescence, or patterns are just as common. A fundamentally Star Trek episode and well done. 3.5 out of 5. Is that it? I guess that's it. Did I? No. What did I do? I skipped Christian. Christian Pouch says, Voxola, did they go into so much detail about the water polo stuff because nobody in America knows, cares much about the sport they deliberately picked for Archer? Despite the oddness of the scene, I like their friendship. Trip holding onto the recording to cheer up his friend and hanging out with pretzels and beer. Never got that in TNG. The rest of the episode is fine. The stakes are not escalated in a satisfactory way. The steps to solve the problem are not connected with any kind of character progression or discovery. Hoshi being defensive with T'Pol for the third or fourth time doesn't count. The alien is just an alien that we'll never see again and don't learn anything from. Even the mind linking isn't used for anything interesting. Two water polo slash tentacle hentai crossovers out of five. I, you know, I think a
1: marking of this episode sort of being all over the place is that not only is there extensive conversation about the rules and strategy of water polo. They also talk about, very specifically about the wages of fear a bunch of times. Yeah. To the point where they're like, caught up in that web, and and Rostov, or whatever his name is like, it's actually a really great movie about people who have to bring dynamite into the, it was actually remade in the 70s by Billy Friedkin. It was called Sorcerer. It's actually
0: a really great movie. It was his follow-up to The Exorcist, and it bombed, but I've always loved the original. It was, um... That that scene that scene is funny where he's talking about that. It it also it showed to me um, sometimes. It's also sorry. It also
1: has that that element of like when you're trying to <laughs> when you're like really into movies and then you're talking to a girl who who honestly couldn't care less mm. and you're like no let's go see Wages of Fear and she's like on oh, I I would rather not it's like, but it's about dynamite in a truck you're gonna <laughs> love it it made me just basically think. basically most of my interactions in college
0: it made me think about um there's a it's just you can tell that the writers aren't comedy writers like that i think that that joke is kind of cute in and of itself when he's when if you had ended that scene on the guy just going captain are we going to get to see that movie next week once we get out of this you go like okay that's a decent enough joke the the writers continue that for about 30 seconds where he's like he's like no seriously Jonathan, like what day next week are we <laughs> going to be watching this movie? And Archer's I just kind of like, eh, I, need, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I need to get the time off now. My superior is really a stickler about that stuff. It's my no, it would be great if, like, if, if when they were doing the, the mind link thing, uh, Archer and Tripper both like, man, he's right. Wages of Fear is a really good movie. I, I'm getting all of the memories that he has of it. Wow. That's a, we should all go see that once we get out of the situation. And it's not you, even a movie that like thematically really makes sense no, to anything. It's no. it's.
0: I mean, it's a great movie, but it's it's a really random one to pick. <laughs> While they're in the web, it, it, all the dialogue between them should just be like, "Well, I hope that Reed can get here." And it's like, God, who's thinking about To Paul's ass again? Who is who is <laughs> who is doing this? Can we focus, gentlemen? <laughs> or like they're just not saying
1: anything. Then and, 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 and Trip is like. You fell face first into her <laughs>
0: boobs? Don't come in yet. We're still stuck in this. It's, it's the South Park. A spooky ghost came in here to Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I missed a comment. So, final comment. Point extra G says, I like seeing T'Pol in command every now and then. Having Archer and trip out of commission gives the gives the others a bit to do. I find the scene with Mayweather and the alien captain oddly humorous. I don't think that him trying to describe the creature was supposed to be funny, but it comes across that way. And I guess everyone else was busy, so Travis just offers the apology. And the aliens just learned English and are like, What? You couldn't figure out an alien language? Thank you, patrons, for your thoughts about this one. Vox Sola. Everyone seemed fairly average to middlingly low. Yeah, I'm going to surprise them and go average to middlingly high. This is a high three for me, but it's a good three, I think. Uh, in yeah. this case, I'm in. I'm.
1: I'm in the same. I'm. I was going. My first instinct was to give it a four, but I think that was sort of like a uh, a when when your dog finally does the trick you've been asking him to do, but he doesn't really do it entirely correctly. Right. He's just ha- you know he's
0: just happy for the effort.
1: Yeah, like he finally made the motion to to do it, but he never he didn't really complete it. Uh, so I, I was a little bit uh, over positive, I think, because I was just sort of like, oh, good, they're finally kind of pulling some of this stuff together and they're telling a a, a, a narrative story with their characters and blah 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 But yeah, when you break it down, it, it, it it's obviously not perfect. Um, it is probably, like you said, probably my in my top three of the uh, if not three five yeah uh, of the one of the of better the first episodes season so far. of the yeah, season yeah. i think so yeah so yeah i'm gonna go high three as well
0: yeah i liked it i i enjoyed it it's just it does have some problems but i, I liked the progress here like you're, you're happy seeing this level of mm-hmm. progress and think it's worth it so yeah definitely thank you guys very much for listening we're on a short time so we gotta run but you can check out the next episode it'll be out in a couple of days you can support the show at patreon.com slash the penske file if you want to do that Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go?
1: Uh, we got a new Rotten Heart picture show out this week. We're talking about the Iranian vampire movie A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And then next week we've got a new Batass episode. I don't remember what it is, but I'm sure it's a good one. You guys can check. I think it might be I think it might be Demon's Quest. I think it's the first appearance of Rachel Ghoul is next hmm. week.
0: You guys, you can check that out at thepenskyfile.com or you can stay on the YouTube channel if you're there for that stuff. So, thank you very much. Fox Sola, we both were fairly positive on that one. Not perfect, but a pretty solid little season, a uh, little ending of a season episode, and some spooky ghost aliens in it, too. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I really. This, we didn't talk about the ending scene with the planet, but I, I feel like Enterprise both has strange openings and strange endings to me in a lot of ways. Like, a lot of them are just, the endings are just like hard cut to the ship in the distance flies off and that's Mm -hmm. it It, it, not that it's a bad ending but it's like oh they really like those final shots of the ship flying off it never ends on just a character's face or anything like that it's just kind of a a small detail
1: Mm.
0: yeah i liked i liked the uh
1: the giant alien thing um i think it brings up some questions as to how that thing ended up on the yeah. the other ship to yeah. begin with. But uh, I like the idea. But I also, that's another thing where it feels like that should be a little bit more thematically relevant, and it's really not. Yes. Yeah. I did like- Especially the they that focus it was on an, it at the end, where it's like, yes. you're supposed to yeah. be
0: surprised that it's this huge planet-wide thing, but it's it's kind of neat, but it doesn't mean anything at the same time.
1: Yeah. I did like that it was probably the least humanoid alien they've run into so far. Yeah. Um, and very, very different, which and very alien, which yep. was which was nice.
0: All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with the next episode, which I think is I'm going to click the button and tell you what it is. It is Fallen Hero. So we'll be back with Fallen Hero in a couple of days. Until then, see you.